those candid moments, I think, are golden for social media storytelling because they're not canned. They're not pre-thought out. They're real, authentic moments that we all can relate to. And it's those connections that are going to get people motivated to want to listen again and then be there to watch the reveal. The Wingnut Social Podcast, Episode 21, Why You Should Be Using Storytelling in Your Social Media. Have you hit a wall when it comes to growing your interior design business? Then welcome to Wingnut Social, the podcast specifically designed to accelerate your business through increased social media presence, impactful online content, and translating digital influence into physical success. This is your social media tightly fastened. Now welcome the host of Wingnut Social, Darla Powell. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash wingnutsocial. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Hey there, Wingnuts, and welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. I am your host, the head wingnut of Wingnut Social, Darla Powell, and I am joined by the ever-soulless Ginger I was waiting for that. <laughs> Come on. That was my cue and you messed it up. Natalie Graff. Hello, people. Hello. Natalie and Giraffe. Hey really? there. Natalie. How many more do we how many more are you gonna get? I haven't a lot. I haven't seen you all day today because you have been busy project managing and I have been here designing at our home studio. I know. Well that's what happens when we have a million things to do. But this isn't work. This is fun, right? If that's what you call it. <laughs> so today on The Guest, we have Susan Winterstein of Savvy Interiors out of San Diego, California. If you guys listening, most of you guys know her. She gave a tremendously amazing speech last year at the Design Influencers Convention about her charity wing called Savvy Giving by Design. And Susan has been really effective with her social media campaign for Savvy Giving by Design because she and her staff really effectively tell the stories of the children and the families that they design homes for. And she's going to talk a little bit about that as we get into it and a little bit about the charity. But what I really wanted to focus on for this episode with her was how important storytelling is in social media. And it's not just about, you know, flopping up a pretty picture anymore because... People want to know. They want to say, hey, what's going on with the project? They're invested. They want to know the person behind the social media, you know, the face, what's going on, the story, the real, because it works. Mm -hmm. It actually works because I went to the local Thai restaurant to pick up our Thai food and ponds all, when are you posting more stories about that? I want to see the end. (laughs) I want to see the end. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, just in our local community, when some of um, our friends that follow us are like, wait, where's the end? Where's the end? We'll even get a private text. Uh, hello, you, you left some out. (laughs) We're like, no, just keep waiting. Yeah. They want to see, you know, the beginning of the story, the middle of the story, the, the end of the story with Joseph Campbell's The Power of Myth, which is a very famous book about just the archetypal journey for the hero. People are just obsessed with stories, and there's a way to effectively accomplish that with social media. And Susan Winterstein is just the lady to tell us all about it. What you got, Nat? So, Wingnuts, we have a lot to talk about here. We have the event live with Luann, and the dates have now changed. We are March 30th, 31st, and Monday, April 1st. Well, wait a minute. Let's clarify. They haven't now changed. No. Um, (laughs) Luann kind of did a blonde moment. 
Luann doesn't have blonde hair. I know, but okay. she well, just cuddled. Cover. You got to cover for Luann. Hello. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes. Don't she's throw Luann under the she bus. She never makes mistakes. Never, no, never. Never. Not once. So, people, the 30th, 31st, and April 1st. And this is going to be held at the Hilton in Short Hills, New Jersey. And if any of you guys that are flying in, the closest airport will be Newark. So all of this will be in our show notes as long as where to find it at luannagara.com. Darla, tell us about what Live with Luann is. Live with Luann is a two and a half day conference with a whole bunch of industry experts, interior designers, marketing experts, business minded folk to help you take your interior design business to the next level and me. <laughs> yeah, we don't count you. <laughs> and Luann, for some reason, I don't know, she must have been running a fever. She decided to invite me to the uh, event this year to speak. And and I guess you're going to be there too, so people can see what a soulless ginger looks like. So we'll be talking about social media marketing and all that good stuff. And we're going to definitely have more information on it on the show notes. So Wingnuts, the information is, once again... The 30th, 31st, and April 1st at the Hilton Shores Hills in New Jersey. All of this information will be in our show notes. And now that Darla has told us what we are going to, since I forgot, because we are going to Luann Live, we hope to see you guys there. Yeah, come out and see us. Come say hi. We would love to meet the listeners in person. That would be an amazing thing. Actually, we are going to have a booth, a vendor table set up by the wine. Ooh, will there be punch and pie? No, there will be wine. There better be whiskey. Ooh. And... That will be a wingnut social table Alrighty, set up. Cool. So we're good to go. All right. Sounds great. I hope to meet the listeners there. You guys check that out, luannlive.com. And also in our show notes, we'll have a link to that. Hope to see you. All but, right. So, let's get down to the meat and potatoes. Let's get down to the meat and potatoes. All right. So Susan Winterstein. Here's a little bit about Susan Winterstein. In 2002, she founded Savvy Interiors, an interior design firm with its own general contractor license. She has it. Which I've been trying to tell you to get at. You know what? I know. Where sophisticated whimsy mingles with steel-toed boots, her company caters to discerning clients across the SoCal region with award-winning service and innovative design. With each project, Susan endeavors to give dimensions to her clients' creative vision by producing unrivaled results that exceed expectations. She finds joy in the small things like demolishing worn, dated, or distasteful rooms into piles of rubble that rise from the ashes into gorgeous kitchens, bathrooms, and beyond. And speaking of joy, Susan founded Savvy Giving by Design in 2014 after offering to make over a local teen's room who'd been diagnosed with cancer. The experience was so undeniably moving that she made it official, and so this beautiful nonprofit was born. She believes that bringing joy into the lives of those who are facing hardship is one of the greatest gifts that you can give. So, Wingnuts, please help me in welcoming Susan Winterstein to the Wingnut Social Podcast. Hey there, Susan Winterstein. Welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. How the hell are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me, Darla. Natalie. Now that now that Darla hit record, we're all doing well. Why am I having deja vu? <laughs> so, Susan, I gave the Wingnuts a little bit about your bio and Savvy Giving by Design and that amazing charitable organization that you have out there in San Diego. And you're also branching out, which we can talk about a little bit at the end of the show here for designers who are listening. But what I wanted to talk about, since this is primarily a marketing podcast, was about how you've achieved such wonderful results and people engaging and contributing to your cause through storytelling on social media. So before we get into that, let's just give the designers and the Wingnuts a little bit of 
reference about what savvy giving by design is. And so they'll know what we're talking about going forward so they can apply it to their business as well. Sure. So a little bit of history. I've been in business for about 16 years as a designer and general contractor in San Diego. And about four years ago, I was introduced to a friend of a friend whose daughter was diagnosed with cancer. And we wound up kind of tapping into our community locally for donations. And we made over her room. Um, to make it a little bit more comfortable as she was facing about a year of um, chemotherapy and radiation. And during that time, um, you know, I was, I, I became so addicted to um, just all of the healing benefits that doing a room for a child in a medical crisis had. So I decided to start a nonprofit uh, called Savvy Giving by Designs, where we make over spaces for children facing a medical crisis at no cost to the family and most often cancer, but not always. And um, so it's any child that we feel like a space would really benefit them. So we know that you use storytelling with Savvy Giving by Design. You, you go through, you tell the story of the children, the families, the designers, the whole process and everything. Tell us a little bit about how that methodology started. Was that something that was more organic or something that was pre-planned from the, out, the get-go or how did that come about? When I first started Savvy Giving by Design, I had already had a built-in kind of community through my business. So what I had discovered was I had started a group back when groups were fairly new to Facebook, and I realized that I could collate this buy-sell group locally um, for a lot of my clients really to offload their extra furniture that they were replacing or appliances. And so I started a group and, you know, we got to about 1500 and the group was growing fairly quickly. And I, again, as I've said before, I'm inherently lazy on some level and I didn't want to manage all of these people. And so I felt like, you know, 1500 is a good amount of people locally. I don't need it to be five or 10,000 people. You know, I want them to buy, sell stuff and we're going to make this the cream of the crop. So as that group became curated, when it came time to raise money and do some charitable things, the culture on that group was pay it forward, really. I had, I've always encouraged clients that, you know, when you have a piece of furniture, let it go. You know, it served its purpose, pay it forward, let somebody else enjoy it. So there was already a charitable component to it. When this need came up in our community, I began explaining what I wanted to do and how we were going to go about it. And if people were in or not, did they want to participate? And the response was so overwhelming that within three days or so, we raised about $6,000 and we included them in our overall process. So that's really where it kind of struck me that you're really looking for quality people in your group pages or on your social media and your storytelling versus quantity, because sometimes your message can get diluted with too many people and, and with a page that's too busy. So having that page somewhat smaller and more community minded really helped us with our storytelling. Okay, so to, to go back there. So that was something that you just did in telling the story with that small community and getting the results and you just discovered, hey, it's not broke. Let's you know, there's nothing to fix here. Or did you realize at the time that you were actually doing what's called storytelling? It was a strategy. The people in the community that got to know me and my voice started to respond to that. And so one of the things as we've expanded nationally now with our other chapters that I, I continually doing is working with each of the chapter leaders to find their voice within their chapter and what it is that is going to be engaging. What is of interest to other people that are watching your story? What's of interest? Right. You know, there's, there's sometimes that I think things aren't aren't interesting. And then there's other things that, you know, that I don't think are very interesting that people really respond to, which I find, you know, I want sometimes it's hard to figure out, but I'm really into the psychology of it. And to figure out 
how can I engage them? How can I get them to listen to what I'm saying and respond to what I'm saying? Shortly after the nonprofit was started, we did start to create some smaller group pages for Savvy Giving by Design. And then I didn't cap it. You know, I want as many listeners as possible on that because um, I'm not monitoring a buy-sell page as much as I am telling stories. And it's really a one-way communication, but it was an, an open forum to communicate my agenda and to see if others shared the same vision for what they wanted this nonprofit to look like. It's funny that you mentioned, well, not funny. It's actually um, interesting that you mentioned the psychology of it because I was telling the wingnuts before we brought you on for our conversation about Joseph Campbell's archetypal journey and that we as humans are just, we just love to hear stories. We love to see a, a protagonist, you know, from beginning to end, you know, and see what happens with their, their story. So that's something that you guys have picked up on and done extraordinarily well. So I was wondering if you could walk us through what the process would be for a project for you for storytelling, just just briefly, like, do you have a beginning, middle and end? Or does that also just mm-hmm. kind of happen as it goes? And then the wrap up is the reveal? Um, yeah, I think that, you know, it was really a poignant, we were having a discussion very similar to what you were talking about, maybe on the same page is that you have in storytelling, a hero and a guide. And there was some uh, podcast recently that, you know, you can be the hero of the story, or you can be the guide. And every movie has one you know, what we're really looking at is, you know, guiding people and showing them I'm not the, the leader per se, but more, I consider myself more of a guide, I'm guiding them towards something that, um, you know, some sort of uh, outcome that I that I that I want to see happen. So I'm guiding them on how other people can help. So typically, what we do is in the nonprofit is that we will start to kind of, I always call it kind of pebbling before we hit with the brick. So, you know, we're going to throw a few pebbles out there and we're going to say, okay, hey, we're going to be meeting with this family. And we might tell the story of how we're getting ready to go meet with this family that might meet us. And then the next one will be, you know, the photos of us at the space. Um, And then after that, we'll get into more of the actual diagnosis. And like, this is what our problem is. This is what we have to try to fix. We have to try to come up with some sort of a solution here and work together And then the more I find that I can engage the community with photos or stories or anecdotes of either how the child will be affected, how the child was affected, um, photos of them being in their space, how it had an effect on them, the more people can kind of connect to that particular story. And then the more success we'll have in engaging them in the longer term. I think the biggest risk is really kind of overwhelming with information because I think all of us are getting oversaturated. Um, and so it's really, it's, it's really hard to kind of keep track of, okay, which child is she doing now? I mean, I know all of them obviously, but like who, which one is this and when did they, what kind of cancer did she have? And so it it can be a lot of repetitive going backwards kind of a thing. So what I've understood from listening to you is there's actually an advantage to the storytelling approach that it's better than just plugging in a pretty picture and playing on that strategy because now your listeners and your viewers actually have some type of an emotional investment towards your story. Am I correct there? Yeah, no, I think that's accurate. I think the um, the social media is different than, you know, and and this was, I think, really hard. Years and years and years ago, I was close friends with a publicist who used to write press releases and marketing releases for their companies. And it was fascinating to me because we were, we were in a crisis situation and we were posting and I was primarily the social media poster person and, and she would rewrite my posts and they sounded like press releases. And we used to go to, to task on it back and forth because I said, you know, 
people are used to being marketed to. We're used to reading ads in magazines. We're used to reading newspapers. We're used to the commercials. We're used to a professional, polished kind of approach of trying to get people to advertise to us. But what is often missed, I think, in social media is the casual nature of talking to a friend, of just talking like you would talk to your best friend at lunch and tell them about something. Um, And that it doesn't have to be as professionally curated and put out as the press, like you're not talking to them, you're talking with them. And I think that's a really important distinction when you're trying to engage a community is like, who's with me, you know, just in a very casual, um, un, um, structured way that is still professional and still has your overall messaging intact, but isn't so polished that people start to tune out because it's just, I'm being talked at, you're just advertising to me. And that, that doesn't really get me hooked. And that, that is how social media is now. It is about engaging and being part of the community of the story and going back to your hero and and guides in the story. The name escapes me. I was trying to find his name, but he does uh, branding for brands and how how to market. And he says that you want to make the client the hero of your branding, of your ads, your sales, you want them to be able to put themselves in there. Exactly. In your stories for Savvy Giving by Design, if your readers, your your people are engaging or listening and they're the hero, then they're giving, they're donating towards Savvy Giving by Design. So that makes them, in a sense, part of being that hero. Exactly. Which is, it's genius. They're, you know, they're emotional, they're helping, they're doing something good. So it's, that's part of storytelling. And aside also for interior design, if you're doing a storytelling, or if you're doing a a room or a space, then you want to make that person think that they're choosing you and empowering themselves to, you know, to live their best life or to do, you know, what they should have done all along. You want to speak to them making the hero, the the client, the hero of your advertising, not about you, right. not about your firm so much, but about what they will achieve from. That. Right. Right. And you're, and you're guiding them. Yeah. And you're guiding, you're guiding them to make decisions that are going to work for them um, and for their, you know, their, their choices that they're making. You're helping just to guide that process. And I think there's a huge distinction in the interior design world of you want to work with a client, not necessarily for a client, but you're working with them. It's a collaborative, iterative process that's creative. And if you're guiding them towards decisions that are ultimately going to make them feel good, then yes, they get to be the hero in that situation. Right. So you can picture yourself as like Yoda. And then your clients are (laughs) like Skywalker. You just got to run around with them on your back for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Darla, Darla and her references. So how hard is it to keep this method of marketing consistent? And streamlined and organized because it's a lot different than throwing up a pretty picture. You actually have to have, you know, a timeline. Some thought has to go into this. Mm -hmm. It does. And I think in some ways it's become, I take it for granted. Um, You know, not all of my posts are, you know, knock them out of the park and not, but they they do enough for me at this point. Um, I think the other social media is hard. You know, it takes a conscious effort to sit down habitually and stay consistent and post consistently. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges I've had in expanding this is that often some of the chapter leaders, because it's not their skill set, they might outsource it. And some of the outsourcing can be compromising sometimes because they may not understand the brand message. And even though we are a nonprofit, and sometimes branding in the nonprofit world, you know, it's kind of like an ick. You're branding, you're marketing, you're nonprofit. But yes, you know, we are a business that needs to make money um, and we are not for profit, but we still need to collect all the dollars that we possibly can. So for us, 
you know, branding and being consistent across the board and our messaging consistent across the board is super important. So you can't tell a story by posting a graphic with your message that is so off brand that it's not staying consistent to what we're trying to achieve. And so having, you know, each of their voices along with the branding that goes along and, and telling that story needs to stay consistent across all channels, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Right. And speaking of outsourcing, right, this is a, mm-hmm. a podcast hosted by a social media agency. So we right. totally get that. So basically, that time, it just takes a whole heck of a lot of time. But I happen to know that you do have a little person in your corner. And she was actually on our episode three of our podcast. If Winterstein sounds familiar, yeah. that's because her daughter, Michelle Winterstein, discussed Pinterest on episode three. So you guys can go back on episode three and, and hear that the apple does not fall far from the tree. <laughs> it hit every branch on the way down. <laughs> yeah. Michelle's brilliant so yeah, th- as well. So yeah, she does my uh, graphics for all of Wingnut Social and, and Darla Palantiris for now. Yeah, so again, it, it does take, it is time consuming. So it's good to delegate that outside of your uh, <laughs> your scope yeah. of genius there if you have the time and you have the, the budget. Absolutely. So, okay, so if interior designer out there doesn't have a nonprofit charity, Savvy Giving by Design, they don't have that, that almost writes itself kind of story. How would you recommend them to do I mean, we kind of brushed on it, but do you have a more specific example on how to market their interior design business as a storytelling? Yeah, I can just tell you what's worked for me and, you know, what what has helped me in our own community. And I think it just came down to that very first group page, which was building trust. So, you know, I have several different media outlets. So we've got, you know, our Instagram that links up to our Savvy Interiors main business page on Facebook. And that profile, I keep all professional photos, all photos of our work and the captions, you know, you get tired of like, oh, look at this pretty blue wallpaper, you know, instead it's like, oh, okay, I'm I'm late for the market and I got to go do this and this and this. But I remember when we did this blue bathroom, the client came home and just loved it. You know, I told a story around it. It's not necessarily like, oh, just, you know, look how we curated this look and, and I'm telling you what I did. Instead, I'm telling you I'm a real human and I am late for my appointments and I've been ragged all day and I don't have anything done and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I I know how much I love walking into a powder bath that has this beautiful wallpaper in it or something. You know, it's there's just some sort of a human connection. So the Savvy Interiors Instagram and the Savvy Interiors page are linked up. Now, my group page, which is inside by Savvy, is a group page that I started when we opened our showroom that was for our local community. And that is more of my behind the scenes, off the cuff, you know, iPhone, not professional, not branded overly, but just more, hey, each day, you know, hey, we did a site check, check this out, this wall came down, you know. And and I think what I appreciate about that community is that they're much more, because it's a closed group, and this was a big misconception in storytelling also, or in social media, is that, you know, everybody thinks that their groups should be open. But the beauty of a group is that if you have a closed group that is somewhat niched um, in a particular marketplace, whether it be health related, design related, whatever it is, and your members in there feel protected, they are more likely to engage with you and ask questions if they know that their aunt Sally in Ohio isn't watching them ask about that new dining room table that you just posted. Um, They don't want everybody knowing about all of that. They don't want people knowing that they're asking about getting their cabinets painted because all of a sudden their husband's texting them saying, why are you asking about cabinets being painted? You know, and so (laughs) 
you know, the group gives a little bit of protection and a little bit more emphasis on that ability to tell stories back and forth and to educate your client base on what it is that you're trying to do, which is, I think the number one thing to do as a designer is you've got to gain trust and you've got to gain somebody to give you a lot, gobs and gobs of money to redo their house. And so, you know, if you are going to give me a lot of money, then you should probably know who I am and that if I can be trusted with your money and if I know what I'm doing. And so by having that group page, it allows me to storytell in a different way than is my branded out there to the public, public, you know, persona image is the Savvy Interiors main page, which is open, obviously, to everybody. But my group page is very much closed and more to, okay, you guys have seen like the CD underbelly, right? You can see like this is construction. It's not a perfectly curated photo. Um, so it's a little bit more casual and it's just a little bit for easier for me to kind of interact with people on that page than it is my main page. So your Inside by Savvy is a private group, but for mm-hmm. clients, for consumers, for anyone. Business, yeah. business. Okay. Yeah. No, but for anyone. Still, that's Okay. So that makes sense. So that's Inside by Savvy on Facebook. Yeah. So if you guys and want to check group. that out, you yeah. can go check that out. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Wingnut Social's group. The Wingnut Social Media Lab is also on Facebook. Send us a request and we'll let you in if you guys are in the design business or home pro. Okay. So Natalie had something else, I think. Oh, I got lots of questions. <laughs> <laughs> so- Okay, so storytelling. How do you pivot if a story doesn't exactly play out like you were thinking on when the you first started side. on the design let's, side? Let's yeah, let's, let's 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 yeah. go back to the design side because you do obviously use a strategy for the design side. So if a designer decides, you know what, I'm gonna try this, let's do this storytelling, and they start in phase one, phase two, and then like, oh, oh, we got a problem. The client's not overly thrilled. How do you pivot? <laughs> How do you pivot from that? Yeah, let me give you an example. Right. Okay. So we yeah. had in the be- in the in the beginning, we had less than ideal clients. We were undercharging all that. We've been over that. Why that happens? So the designs themselves were designs that I probably didn't they were want pretty, to be on board with they were to pretty start cool. with. They right. started out one way and the clients through some, you know, aesthetic differences decided to go a different way. And it, where I showed before pictures and such, the after pictures just never came to fruition and for a very good reason. Okay. So what, how do you, how do you just drop that off then? Cause that's what I did. I just kind of let that go. But I had some people ask me, Hey, where's that bathroom you were doing? I'm like, right. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, so what would a, you recommend there? Yeah, you sent me on that one. I, I think you did absolutely <laughs> the right thing. I think I would probably just let it go. I mean, you, you yeah. can't really, you, you know, the main thing I think that happens is that so many times I think we get caught up in our own, like what we would do. And at the bottom, the bottom line is that you ultimately are there to do what the client wants to do. And we have to take our ego out of it a little bit and just say, yeah. I'm not here for me. I'm here to serve. If you like it, it I, I have a great saying. It says it looks great from my house. Like when I'm sitting here, looks great because <laughs> uh, I can't see go. it. That's excellent. So, yeah. um, and that's what we did. We made the client yeah, very happy. You made the client very happy. Very and happy that's at your the job. end. But, and mm-hmm. you know, but, but it wasn't DPI photograph. And that's all you say is, you know what? That that project wasn't a really good reflection of our brand. And so, not every project we do is going to be reflective of the brand that we're curating. And so, at some point, we have to. Um, we wanted to make sure the client was really happy, and so the client is very happy. And that's it. That's our job. Yeah, that is your job. Yeah. At the end of the day, that's our job it's is to make exactly. sure that our clients. Because not all of us are going to have the same aesthetic and taste and not every project is going to be photo worthy. And, and some of them, 
I even was not going to photograph a project recently and the client actually asked me to. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> How do you get All out right. of that one? Yeah, I don't. I do it. <laughs> we might have I one do of those it. coming down the pike. Yeah. So, yeah, we do. This is a little bit touchy because as Darla Powell Interiors, we are also doing a charity project for a grandmother with two autistic children, two autistic grandchildren. But we've been reluctant to post their pictures, to post pictures of their house on there because we're just, where do you draw, where are the boundaries as far as like their privacy? When you go in and you do a story like that, are they, they're totally, I'm sure they're so excited, they don't care. And it's the same thing with my project too. I'm just feeling overly sensitive about. I think it stings. I think it stings because of previous careers in HIPAA law. HIPAA law, yeah, true, that. And, you know, I had a, my brother um, passed in 2006. He had muscular dystrophy, and my parents were incredibly private with that. Mm-hmm. So I was just curious if you'd had any issues with that as far as the, the charity or well, I think kickback? I think in some ways sometimes we get afraid to just ask people, and we put our own judgments or our own fears and we project those onto the recipients. And so honestly, it just comes down to having a very real conversation with someone and saying, this is what I'd like to do. I want to get our readers and our followers to know who you are. And to do that, I need to share some photos of your space, of your children, of you, your stories. What of all of this information that I've been exposed to, will you allow me to share with people? And what parts do you wanna keep private? So with Isaac, when we did Isaac's space, Lisa was very generous and let me, you know, he was recently paralyzed and she let me post certain things, but there were times that she texted me photos and say, these are for your, this is for your eyes only. I haven't told my family members yet, or I haven't told his extended grandparents or, or she would say other things like, um, you know, I, the news crews kept calling me and asking if they could come in and film when he came home and be there when we did the reveal. And I asked her and she's like, you know, we are just kind of private and we are having some friends there. And I just, I don't know that I feel comfortable with a whole bunch of attention like that on us. And I said, fair, that's totally fair. And so I've never made that decision for any of our families. I've always laid it out there and just asked them, what do you feel comfortable? And when any of the parents ever text me photos of their kids sleeping in their beds or any candidates, and my first always back is, do you mind if I share this? Are you okay with me sharing this? And just being respectful of whatever that boundary is. If you were to ask this current project, how, you know, how much are you okay with me sharing? They may be like, I'm fine. Share all you want. I'm getting a new bathroom. Like I am so happy. (laughs) Share away. And then what we're doing is we're projecting how I feel about it. You know? Yeah. She's thrilled. She can't believe it. She's like, I keep thinking this is, this is, she's like, I can't even eat. I'm losing weight. This is crazy. And and that's, and they're right there that what you just said is a great statement to use on social media. I just got done meeting with a family. They're so excited. She says that she's losing weight because she can't eat. She's so excited. That right there is like real human emotion. And that's what people react to much more than, hey, do you guys want to donate again? Or we're doing this project. Or, hey, look, we're making over this whole bathroom and trying to re-explain the whole thing again. When you can just say, a post a quick candid of her with you or a hug or something, go, oh my gosh, this woman is so excited. She was telling me she was laughing because she's losing weight because she can't eat. She's so excited. That's where you get the, that's the hero part, you know? So it's, it's, that's, it's that sort of stuff though, that really capture people because then it elicits an emotion, right? You feel like, oh my God, I remember like being that excited about something or, oh my God, that's so cool. And um, that she's so excited about it. It makes you feel good that maybe the $10 you donated, like, 
is having an impact or something, you know? So those candid moments, I think are golden for social media storytelling because they're not canned. They're not pre-thought out. They're real authentic uh, moments that we all can relate to. And it's those connections and to those kind of little tidbits that are going to get people motivated to want to l- listen again and then be there to watch the reveal. Susan, I think that's an excellent thought to to end up before we do the What Up Wingnut round. But I just wanted to ask you, I know Savvy Giving by Design actually has chapters outside of San Diego as well. So if there's a designer listening, how would they get involved with your charity? Uh, you know, there's so many great uh, design-run nonprofits, and I know that there are a lot of different nonprofits out there. Um, or there are some that transition out of homeless. Um, ours is primarily focused. Our mission is on children, and it's children facing a medical crisis, most often cancer, but not always. Um, we have expanded. We have seven other chapters across the U.S., and we have six other sponsored chapters by House, uh, which means they pay the legal fees to get set up in each state. Uh, for 2019. And so we're doing, I do about a call once a month with designers to talk to them about the options of opening a chapter. And then we've launched a pilot program, which I'm probably most excited about as well, called Pop-Up Designer, which is, um, and it's like I said, it's kind of testing beta phase, whatever you want to call it. Um, We are uh, starting in Chicago with Kira David Designs, doing a room for a young woman who was diagnosed at the very same time and friends with our very first recipient, Casey Harvey, they both had the same type of cancer. Casey is in remission for the last couple of years. Megan Bug is a senior in high school at 17, and she has relapsed three times. Um, the tumor in her chest has doubled in size, and it's so close to her aorta that they can't do a biopsy, so they need to go in and do proton radiation, um, which will have given her probably about, you know, I think... I want to say over a hundred rounds of radiation at some point. Um, So she has, like I said, relapsed three times and every time she's relapsed and every time I've followed her page over the last four years, I kept thinking, Oh, we're going to have a a Chicago chapter. We're going to have a Chicago chapter. You know, I know we're going to get to her. Like I, she really was the motivating factor for me wanting to expand outside of San Diego because I thought, God, you know, I can do San Diego, but I can't get to her in Chicago and I can't travel there to do her room, nor do I have time with all the demand in San Diego. So to know that we can support designers that might want to do a one-off room in their community because they know of a family, we will try to structure it very similarly to Lymphoma and Leukemia Society or the three-day breast cancer walk where the designers will be responsible for raising X amount of dollars that we can match from our parent chapter and be able to accomplish and get a room design done specifically for these pop-up communities where a chapter isn't serving that area. Where does a designer go to find out about the pop-up community? They can send us a note through our website. They can um, do an inquiry through our website about the pop-up designer. And so that's more of a one-off. But if you're a designer that's been in the industry for three to five years and are looking for a nonprofit to align with that's part of your company culture, because you feel as though this is something that will augment not only your business, but your private life and being able to do something charitable and pay it forward that is design related, then I would encourage you if you have that support in your community and you have people around you that want to help you to open a chapter for the long term, because that is more of a long term giving back of two rooms at least a year, um, more control over your fundraising, you're like an independent franchise with us mentoring you through the whole process and branding. And I believe that collectively, we are stronger um, as designers. And this is the only 
designer led run charity that does what we do. Um, so really we are just harnessing the power of all these designers in our community um, coming together to, um, you know, support or augment what we're doing uh, locally at the chapters and then the pop-ups and uh, coming together for the fundraising and stuff like that. So it's been really incredible to kind of rally this community of designers around something that's benefiting our kids. All right. And we'll also put all the links to that in the show notes. So if you guys want to find out, it's going to be at, at, at wingnutsocial.com under podcast under Susan Winterstein. I almost said Michelle Winterstein. <laughs> <laughs> so you can look up all that info. So Susan Winterstein, yeah. you have given us a ton of info, but now I have to ask you if you're ready for the okay. What Up Wingnut round. Yep, I'm ready. All right, here we go. Now it's time for What Up Wingnut. Wingnut. If you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be and why? I would be a pine tree because I'm tall as it is, but I like those tall trees that have beautiful vistas and I'm just a mountain girl at heart. So I love I love the lake. I love the pines. You're our first pine tree. Oh, good. <laughs> if you were on death row, what would you request as your last meal? Uh, pizza. Awesome. I just put anything cheesy That's and bready. If you could have only one superpower, what would it be and why? Um, I would be Samantha from Bewitched, where I could just like blink my eyes and wind up in another country or something without having to do that 24-hour travel day. I love yeah. it. That's a first one, too. I love that show. Elizabeth Montgomery. Yeah. She's great. Oh, she's my favorite. That and like do the clean the dishes and like just blink and everything's cleaned and put away. Yeah. I want that. I love that. Yeah. You know what? I might change my... You can't, darling. Okay. You're stuck. All right. All right. We haven't done that <laughs> anyway. Okay. And last but not least, please recommend a book that you have read that has had significant impact on your life or your business. Um, I would have to say life because I'm kind of anti-business books and that sounds terrible <laughs> to say. And I feel like um, I should be reading all these books, but... You could write one. I, I don't know about that, but I, I think I'd have to go back to my life. My one book I'm like is kind of a constant in my life and it's an old one, but having five children, I read Siblings Without Rivalry. And I have to say, because I have five kids and I have six designers that are all women, um, and I have a board of directors uh, for Savvy Giving that's all women. Um, you know, being able to curate and work with groups of people that have a group dynamic um, is not all that dissimilar to raising children and the competition that happens between kids and siblings without rivalry is probably one of my favorite books in that it really opened my eyes to the roles that we play within a group dynamic and how to strengthen the weaknesses and how to play down so so you take out the competition part and you take out the um, feeling bad about yourself and the comparisons and all the rest. And so I really do, I, I'd have to say that book is probably one of my favorites. All right. So that was Siblings Without Rivalry. And the author is Elaine Maslish and Katie Mazur. I don't and it's know. It's an old book. I mean, like we're talking like a 30 year old book. I mean, it's old. It's still on Amazon, but it's really no, old. It. I'm looking yeah. I'm looking at it right now with uh, four and a half star reviews. It's a great book. Yeah. Susan Winterstein, please tell the Wingnuts what your website is so they can go and find and uh, all this incredible stuff we've been talking about and apply. Sure. I have two websites. So one is SavvyGivingByDesign.org. Um, and that is the nonprofit. And then we have SavvyInteriors.com, which is uh, my design site, but also has our design guides on there that are getting proofread as we speak. Because uh, I guess there's a few typos in there. So <laughs> got to clean it up, but we've got yeah. our design guides on there. So we catch yeah. typos every now and then. So. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for joining us on the yeah, thank you. podcast, Susan. It was a pleasure. And I hope to Same. meet you in person sometime. Someday um, I got to throw tomatoes, if I recall. Yeah. Uh, Something like yeah. that. No, I can't think, wait. I think we really got to get to, you got to get you out to that design influencers conference. It's a fun one, yeah. especially for you guys. 
Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I'm so glad you came on the show. Natalie Susan Winterstein is amazing, and the things she does for those kids with Savvy Giving by Design is just so moving and so emotional. And it, I felt like I'd be doing her a disservice not to let her promote Savvy Giving by Design as well as talking about the marketing angle because it's such a worthy, worthwhile cause. And if you're an interior designer out there, you're established, you know, you're 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 in your groove, your systems are in place, your marketing's good, you're feeling pretty firm and confident about where you are in your space, and you're ready now to turn your business to give back once or twice a year, or or with a pop-up designer or even more with a full-fledged branch of Savvy Giving by Design, go to her website and check that out and see if that might be a fit for you. Or go to her Facebook group, Inside by Savvy on Facebook. You know, go to her group and check that out. She also has Savvy Giving by Design on Facebook. You can see what Susan Winterstein and her firm is all about as well. And back to the what the takeaways from storytelling, she really, you know, because we were, str- we were struggling with the charity project and how much do we reveal because I don't want to you know, I was really private growing up and I spoke some about my brother and how my parents just want to keep it really private and didn't want to, you know. So I guess I'm oversensitive about that. So when Susan said, you know, that was perfect social media blurb about how the recipient, you know, she's she can't sleep. She's so happy. She's so excited. I mean, that in my core gives me joy and happiness. So is that would that be a bad thing to share? No, I guess it wouldn't. And as long as you have her permission you know, I think I think you're good to go. I just I understand I mm-hmm. understand what you're saying, Darla, and I and I and I think our listeners will also as well because it is a touchy subject of how personal do you want to get? You know what what belongs on social media and and what belongs behind closed doors. Um, the one takeaway that I took from Susan was also even if you do open up a charity, you still have to have some kind of consistency as far as branding and how it's important. Even though it is a nonprofit, you still need to brand who you are and what you're about. Mm -hmm. It is still a business. Obviously, it's a nonprofit business, but it is still your business and it it has to be consistent. And I think once your listeners and your readers and, and all the people that support you see that you are consistent why not give to you because well, because mm-hmm. of your consistency hey these people are sticking around this that you know they're in it they're, well that's they're part of the around. trust thing that Absolutely. she was talking about and you know telling that story and who you are and if you're a client that's going to pay you know 50 100 200 dollars to a designer they're going to want to know a little bit about who you are and no feel like, like and trust yeah no like and trust you so um she would that was really good with the story i think we learned a lot yeah. and it's so important to do storytelling it really is the way it's going now if you want to get any roi from clients or get them it's a it's a little bit of a long game right because you're tell there's project a take yeah. a while project take a while you have to tell a story but it's definitely worth it absolutely so that's that's it that's, that's it. all i got so wing nuts if you like what you hear please hit that subscribe button on whatever you're listening to this podcast on and if you feel so inclined please leave us a review five stars would be swell thanks so much please be sure to follow us on all of our social media channels at wingnut social and check us out at wingnutsocial.com for the show notes on this episode and all of the other episodes and if you just do not have the time like susan winterstein was saying she just doesn't have the time to deal with social media she delegates it out We are here for you for that, too. Check us out again, Wingnut Social, our services, and let's help give your time back so you can enjoy what you love doing, which isn't sitting and staring at your phone all day, although some of you might like that because you're freaky that way. But it's design. Come on, Darla. (laughs) All right, guys. Until next week. See ya. So long. 
You've reached the end of this episode of Wingnut Social, but that's only your first step. Be sure to head to wingnutsocial.com to reach out to us directly and schedule your free consultation with one of our Wingnut Social Media Specialists to take your business from social mediocre to social media master. We'll see you on the next episode of Wingnut Social, your social media tightly fastened. Well, I don't know if we, I, we might want to redo that one. That one, oh, was Darla, a don't awkward. like that question. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Darla. You ask. All right, it. I'll ask. Okay. All right, Wingnuts. We have important things to talk about, like live with Luann, and we now—that's like a lot to say. <laughs> live, live, live with Luann. Luan. That's a lot to say. Start over. So, what advice would you have for designers who want to start a charitable faction of their firm? Of your no, Darla, you do it. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't read it right. <laughs>